Um, I'm going to invite you, if you have a Bible with you, or if you want to use the brown Bible in front of you under those little baskets, turn to the passage we're going to look at tonight, which is from Luke's Gospel. Luke is the second book in the New Testament. Chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 26. Fairly familiar passage you may have heard before. Luke chapter 1, beginning at verse 26. Let me read this for us. Luke says, in the sixth month, this is the sixth month of Mary's uh, relative Elizabeth's pregnancy. In the sixth month, uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Mary said to the angel, Basically, huh? (laughs) How will this be? Since I am a virgin, and the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant or the handmaiden of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. It's God's word. Let me pray for us quickly as we dive into this. Father, I'm thankful for a chance to gather together to celebrate uh, what this holiday is all pointing towards, uh, what it's about, um, being you and you coming to be with us. Um, I pray for this time right now as we look at your word that you would just open up hearts and eyes to receive what you want to accomplish through it. Uh, in each one of us, and as I always ask, eternal God, would you move and govern my tongue to speak your truth? Amen. So today, I guess this evening now, we are concluding this whole Advent teaching series we've been going through the last few months called Prepare Him Room, looking at this really classic text of Christmas message from the Bible about a young woman named Mary who is greeted by an angel with the most incredible news, she's going to have a baby. Now, lots of you here, maybe you have kids of your own already. Maybe at some point you want to have kids, you're looking forward to that. Maybe you're a younger person and you know what it feels like for mom or dad to come to you with the news that, hey, there's going to be a new person joining our family at some point here. Or I don't know, maybe you hate kids. Um, Either way, what we all know is that for the most part, whenever someone gets the news that they're going to have a baby, that a baby's on the way, it's, it's a good thing, right? We see that as a good thing. Not to say that there aren't challenges involved, not to say there aren't like feelings of like maybe feeling overwhelmed or scared, all that stuff. Yes, absolutely, all of that's involved. But it's a good thing, right? And as a, as a father myself, I can speak from firsthand experience. When I heard the news that I was going to be a father both times, super excited and also super scared. Um, but it was a good thing. I saw this as a good thing. 
But what maybe you already picked up from this passage we just read here is that when Mary first found out that she was going to have a baby, it didn't exactly feel like a very good thing. And there was at least two reasons for that. First, Mary wasn't married when she found out that she was going to have this baby. She was only engaged at this point. That's what that word betrothed means there in verse 27, like engaged or promised to be married. But in this culture and his time in history, uh, having a baby before you were married was like a pretty serious thing. It was seen as very shameful for a couple. So that's the first kind of thing, making this not very good news. Secondly, Mary had never been together with Joseph or anyone else for that matter in a way that would bring about a baby. And kids, I'll invite you later on tonight to ask your parents about how that happens. So you're welcome. Uh, not only was this confusing for Mary to learn that she's going to have a baby, she's like, how? <laughs> I, I haven't ever had sex before. She also knew that no one would ever believe that she hadn't had sex with anyone, anyone who was just pregnant, just happened to be pregnant. No one would ever buy it. So uh, th this is also why it was this really serious thing for her as well. It could mean that she wasn't going to get married. She would be socially ostracized, and Joseph wouldn't, wouldn't believe that this baby just happened from God. That's, he would just believe basically Mary had been unfaithful to him. So as you can see now, probably more clearly, this, this meant that hearing the news that she was going to have a baby, normally a really good thing, wasn't actually all that good at all for Mary. It was shadowed with all these kind of serious, shameful, potentially devastating circumstances. It probably wasn't very good news, and it probably was pretty scary for her too. But something I love about this Christmas part of the Christmas story in particular is that in the midst of what must have felt like really hard, scary news for Mary, this angel, his name's Gabriel, he tells Mary two really amazing things which bring a whole lot of hope and encouragement to her. And I believe they actually bring a whole lot of hope and encouragement to us today as well. So I just want to spend like a few minutes together looking at them. I promised everyone I would not talk as long as I normally do tonight. So don't worry. The first thing the angel says, the first amazing thing he says is, God is with you. That's the very first thing you see. And where you see that is in verse 28. If you still have your Bible open, you can look there. Gabriel tells Mary two things. He says, you are favored by God. Like, Mary, God sees you as really special. And God is with her. The Lord is with you, it says here. God, God's on your side, Mary. Which, I mean, already, that's, that's pretty super amazing and encouraging news just by itself, right? I mean, you think about it, an angel coming from heaven to tell you, God sees you as really special, and he's with you. He's, he's in your corner and on your side. I mean, wow, right? Like that's, that's pretty cool just to hear from anyone. But what's interesting even more so, and I think really important to look at in this, in the order of things, is when the angel tells Mary this important stuff. Because did you notice? The angel tells Mary all these incredible things before he tells her about this difficult thing she's about to have to do, this, this difficult task that God is going to call her to walk into. And what I mean by that is usually the, this kind of stuff that the angel tells Mary, that's something that you say to someone after you've given them some really hard news. Like it's like consolation, it's comfort. You're trying to be like, hey, yeah, I know this sounds really bad, but don't worry. Listen, God is with you. He, he loves you. He's for you. It's going to be okay. So you say this stuff to encourage someone after you've dropped the hard news. So why would the angel tell her this stuff first? 
Why would he tell Mary she's favored and loved by God and promised his presence with her before he told her what she was going to have to do? What do you think? I mean, did the angel, like, mess up his lines here? Uh, and God's watching this whole thing from heaven, like, no, no, no. <laughs> Gabriel, seriously, bro, you had one job, and now this misreading of what I told you to say is going to be immortalized in the Bible forever. Like, come on. Is that, is that what's going on here? Well, maybe. Maybe it is. What, but, but maybe something else. What, when I read this, what I wonder is if the reason Gabriel told Mary these amazing things before telling her what she was going to have to do, having to have this baby, isn't simply because God's favor of Mary, his love for her, as well as his promise to be with her, wasn't, all, wasn't at all conditional on her doing something for him first. It wasn't part of the package, right? Like this isn't, Mary, God is going to favor you so highly. And he is going to be by your side wherever you go. All you need to do first is, no, right, none of that. It's not God is going to favor you. God will be with you. Just Mary, God is, you are favored by God. Mary, God is with you, period, end of sentence. And that's incredibly good news to hear. And it's also incredibly good news for us to hear today. Why? Well, because if you're at all like me, one of the biggest kind of barriers and lies that keeps getting in the way from maybe you really wanting to explore more about who God is, to learn about him, or maybe to walk in obedience into that hard thing that you feel like maybe he's calling you, is there's this barrier in the way that keeps you feeling like um, God's love for me, God's presence with me, God's willingness to be with me is on the other side of me first proving that I'm worthy of his love and presence. That's so often what I believe, and I still go back to this idea that i got to clean myself up enough first, make myself presentable enough, and then God's like, all right, now I can put my love on you. Now I want to be with you. Now I want to be in your presence. Which is either canceling, because it sounds unfair, just like, well, forget it then, I'm not going to do it. Or it sounds crushing, because it's impossible to do. How could I ever do that. When, when the entire time, God's message to, to you and to me and to everyone in the pages of the Bible right from start to finish, just as it was to Mary in our passage today, is that God's love, God's favor, God's desire to be with us uh, is, is, has nothing to do with us first doing anything before that. Nothing to do with us accomplishing anything first. The Apostle Paul says it simply in this way, Romans chapter 5, verse 8, but God demonstrates his love for us like this. How? While we were still sinners, while we wanted nothing to do with God, while we weren't trying to prove ourselves to him or, or look good enough or do anything, Christ died for us. He, he proved his love preceded us having to do anything first. Which also means that Mary's obedience then to walk into this difficult task that God was calling her to, which we saw at the end of the passage, right? She says, okay, I'm in. Her obedience to this difficult thing was never about earning God's favor and presence, but only her grateful response to a God whose favor and presence she now knew she already had. And if that was true for Mary 2,000 years ago, then maybe, just maybe, that's also true for us today. Okay, so that's the first amazing thing. See, we're flying along here. Angel tells Mary in the midst of this really hard thing he's about to tell her to do, God is with you. 
He's with you. The second thing is this. God is also with all of us. God is also with us. And where you see that is both in what the angel tells Mary about who this baby that she's going to give birth to is, as well as how the baby's birth is going to come about. So just to kind of get us into this, I don't know if you felt the same way when we were reading that passage, but it felt like Luke was very concerned to make sure that we knew that Mary was a virgin. Do you notice that? Did it feel a little uncomfortable, like maybe he was pressing on it a little bit too much? And her name was Mary. She was a virgin. How can this be? I'm a virgin. Like, we get it. Okay, she, she's a virgin. Like, why, why make such a big deal about that? Well, I think the reason is, is because of how this birth has kind of come about. It's there in verse 35, if you want to look with me. Mary, first of all, she rightly asks how she's going to conceive a child when she's a virgin. She's never known a man sexually before. And then in response to her, verse 35, the angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Which most Bible scholars uh, agree is a reference to the tabernacle, kind of like the, the moving tent temple that Moses and the people of Israel built out in the wilderness in the Old Testament. When that was finished being completed, the uh, Bible tells us that God's presence overshadowed that tabernacle like a cloud, and, it, and the temple was filled with his presence and glory. It was an amazing thing. So now, when it comes to how Mary will conceive a child apart from the natural means God's designed, as one person put it, the divine cloud that once established God's presence in a place, the tabernacle, now does so in a person, Mary. And there's all kinds of things that result now from this action of the Holy Spirit, as you see in verse 32, verse 33. This child conceived in Mary by the Holy Spirit, he's going to be given the throne of his father David. He's going to rule over the house of Jacob, like all the people of Israel. There will be no end to his kingdom. His kingdom will extend to the ends of the earth. All incredibly significant things. But what I think is most significant of all is the result of this child being conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary. You see there at the end of verse 35, the angel says, Mary's child will be holy and the Son of God. That's the result, the kind of main result of this child being conceived this way in Mary. So first of all, holy. Okay, I get it that that's a word, yeah, we still use all the time in our culture today, but we use it kind of differently. Uh, usually it comes before the word cow or all kinds of other words when we're trying to express shock or surprise in some way. But here, it's important to know that in the Bible, the word holy just simply means pure, uh, spotless, morally perfect, as well as set aside, set aside by God for use in his service, which are all things that would very much apply to this child that was going to be born to Mary. Secondly, the Son of God. The Son of God. This child born to Mary will be none other than God in human flesh come to dwell with his people. Wow. Now, now there's way too many Bible passages that point forward to this reality that kind of talk about what's going to happen and all that it's going to mean. But one of the most just kind of plain, straightforward passages that talks about this is found at the beginning of Matthew's gospel who actually tells us the exact same story that we just read in Luke's gospel, only it tells us from the perspective of Joseph instead of Mary. And there, after telling Joseph all the same information that Gabriel had given here to Mary, we learn two things. The angel tells Joseph that he is this son that's going to be born to Mary. He's to call Jesus. Jesus, that name is the Greek translation of the Hebrew name uh, Joshua or Yeshua, which means God with us. Because, which means, sorry, which means God saves because he will save his people from their sins. 
So his name literally means what he's going to do. And then the angel says, everything that happens here, all that you're watching take place, this, this woman who's a virgin conceiving by the Holy Spirit, giving birth to a child, is all happening to fulfill a promise. A promise that God made hundreds of years before through his prophet Isaiah, where God had promised, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So now hopefully you see why Luke was making such a big deal about Mary being a virgin. Okay, he's not trying to like say, hey, this is the most important thing. He's saying, you need to know this because this is like the only time in history that ever will happen or has happened where a virgin will conceive. And so that means this is the baby that Isaiah was talking about all those years ago. He's saying this is exactly what's happening. This baby that's going to be born in Mary is that baby. Well, this is crazy, right? Because that Mary had already been told that incredibly comforting news by the angel that, that God was going to be with her, right? He said, God's going to be with you before he tells her what she's going to have to carry out. Great. It was incredible and comforting. But now, look at this. Far more than just being with her in the sense of, like, God's favor and blessing and protection over her, like, God is, like, literally, like, physically going to be with her in the person of her son. This, this child that she's about to give birth to this son Jesus, this promised child who will come to save his people from their sins. Wow. But as we saw from this prophecy that Matthew quoted from Isaiah, Emmanuel, what does it mean? It doesn't mean God with you. It means God with us, plural. Because God definitely was with Mary individually. He was with her, but he's also come to be with us which is the other reason God's good news to Mary through the angel then is still incredibly helpful and hopeful for us today because if you're all like me, something you also feel blocked and maybe held back by is the idea of like, okay, well, sure, God's uh, favor and presence, obviously it had to be with someone important like Mary. And look, she had this incredibly uh, challenging thing to do. She needed God's presence and, and love for her, but... I'm not like that. I'm, I'm not nearly as important as someone like her. And yet what the reality of who this baby is, God with us, proves beyond a shadow of a doubt is that God didn't just come to be with Mary, to help her with this difficult task that he called her to. He came to be with all of us, which means his desire was to be with all of us. His favor was on all of us. It's not just for special people like Mary. God's favor and desire to be present with, with the world comes to all of us, not just to an individual. The whole point of this series right from the beginning has been that we think about what it means to prepare room in our hearts and lives for Jesus. In the same way that parents, when they find out they're going to have a baby, start preparing room in their houses to welcome this child in. We've talked about how Jesus came to be a refiner, a savior, to bring joy to our lives and to be our humble king. But who we see that Jesus came to be today in this last message, God with us, is the thing that actually makes, in the end, all those other things Jesus came to be possible. For in order to be our savior, in order to be the one who refines us, in order to be the one who brings true joy to our hearts and lives, as well as to be the king of kings, Jesus couldn't just be a special baby who, who grew up and then 
went on to be a charismatic leader who didn't say all kinds of good things. I mean, that's how a lot of people see Jesus today. Kind of like, yeah, I heard there was like some special circumstances. Sounds like he said some good things. That's pretty much the most of what people think about Jesus if they think of him at all. And yet the reality is that's not at all, as we've just seen here, either who the angel said that Jesus came to be or who Jesus himself said he came to be. Right? Holy, perfect, sinless, not limited in any of the ways that you and I are. The Son of God, the one whom the book of Hebrews describes as the radiance of God's glory and the exact imprint of his nature. That's who Jesus came to be. For only, only God himself, come to dwell with us, could bring about all those other things that we've looked at that Jesus came to be. It's only God who could accomplish those things. And so my question for you tonight, as we head into the celebration of Christmas tomorrow morning, is have you made room in your heart for him? We've been talking about all these other people making room for Jesus through this series. What about you? Have you made room in your heart for him? As we learn in the next chapter of Luke's Gospel, what uh, Kent talked about last Sunday, when Jesus first came to earth, no one made room for him. There was no room in the inn for him or his family to be born. And then as Jesus grew up, came to go on to be this teacher and healer and bring about all these incredible things that Jesus came to do that we've looked at over the last few weeks, many people still made no room for him. As the Apostle John tells us in his gospel, what we read earlier, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. They weren't willing to make room for him. But then he goes on to say, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, to all who did make room in their hearts and lives for Jesus, he gave the right to become the children of God. And that's the whole point of Christmas. That's the purpose of Jesus coming, to, to, to get back his family, to restore us back to relationship with Jesus, with, with the Father through Jesus. That's what it means to make room in your heart for Jesus this Christmas, to be welcomed into the family of God as a child of his, apart from any duty or, or task or any performance you have to do in order to get there. It's what he does. And then as we continue to make room in our hearts and lives for him, he brings about all those other incredible things that we looked at over these last weeks more and more as well. So have you made room for him? Will you make room for him tonight? John later says, the word that is the one who was with God and was God, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Or as Eugene Peterson puts it, the word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. See Jesus this evening, today, giving up all the riches, glory, majesty of heaven in order to take on human flesh. Come and be God with us and then give his life to save us from our sins, like his name means, in order to make room in his house for you. And I believe that'll give you all the motivation you need today in order to consider, honestly and truly, making room in your heart for him this Christmas as well. Amen.